This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Thank you for joining the show. We're going to have an interesting topic today that kind of goes a little bit different than what I usually talk about. But given this nature of times of what's going on, the critical issues that are going on right now, I thought this may be a great conversation to have with some people who are very much so kind of dealing with some solutions of what's going on right now. If I'm like anyone else, you've been very disturbed about what's happening with the division of our country. You've been seeing certain things that are going on, whether it be the George Floyd situation, uh, the elections, or whatever the case is. But there's a number of different things that are disconcerting right now in terms of either our political atmosphere, in terms of what's going on with the pandemic, and many other issues. But I didn't really want to talk about it in a negative sense. I want to kind of talk about solutions today. And I've got two people who are right now working on solutions about how we deal with the political discord, about how we start to bring our country back together in terms of what's going on. I've got Matt Daniels. He's a professor at the Institute of World Politics, and he focuses in on law and ethics, and he has a good kind of solution, kind of driven dynamic of what's going on. I've also got somebody from a historically black college and university. You've been hearing about Howard University just recently. I've got A.J. Jones, who's the assistant. Uh, uh, I, I, wanna, I don't want to promote you, A.J., Assistant Vice President of Enrollment Management or Enrollment Services. Is that right, A.J.? I got the title correct or close to? Uh, very close. Uh, the, it is the Associate Provost and Assistant Vice President of Enrollment Management. That is right. All right. I, I was about to call you the President of Howard, but I didn't want to get you uh, <laughs> into, into a bad situation. Maybe one day. One, maybe one day. We'll claim it, all right? But um, uh, uh, so we've got these two guys right here who have been on really the, the tip of the spear in terms of what's going on right here. And I want to have an interesting discussion about maybe some solutions as it relates to dealing with the division, dealing with the race issues, dealing with the number of other issues that are going on. I'm going to start out with you, Matt. Hey, Matt, give me an oversense of what you feel about what's going on today and where we need to begin taking this kind of conversation going forward uh, as we look at maybe solutions in our society, solutions in our government, solutions in our private sector and everywhere else. Yeah, sure, Derek. Well, as you know, I do a lot of my work internationally and in my travels, it's always impressed me that the world is still uh, deeply respectful of the work of Dr. King and a handful of others who helped America to overcome our national sins of slavery and segregation without violence. From the perspective of the world, it's really rather amazing that the American South did not become Rwanda because according to the laws of politics, it probably should have been Rwanda. But Dr. King, Andrew Young, and a handful of others uh, made a critical difference by pursuing um, justice uh, in the area of racial apartheid in the South through nonviolence. And so I started uh, working a couple of years ago on curricula that would teach Dr. King's principles to a new generation. Uh, I think of it uh, like a moral bank account. Uh, America was given a moral bank account in the life and teachings of Dr. King. And that's where we need to go now if we're going to see this country unified and um, if we're going to avoid uh, an escalating uh, dynamic of violence. 
you know, AJ, I want you to kind of chime in there because you're coming from the historically black college uh, university segment. You've got your background from Fisk, but you also work at Howard University. Uh, what's your take on what's going on right now and what are your concerns? Well, you know, one of the things that brings me to this conversation is the opportunity that I've had for a number of years to sit as sort of a gatekeeper in terms of who gets access to higher education. Uh, For me, I've been fortunate to do that at both HBCUs uh, as well as what's called PWIs or predominantly white institutions. And so it's given me a sense of what what do we need to evaluate for that makes for a successful college graduate. And one of the key components is that of one's ability to have uh, leadership, what I call leadership empathy. And effectively, that means that individuals coming out of higher education today need to understand how to lead but lead with an empathetic heart. And I will tell you, Derek, I've been very dissatisfied with the type of exposure that our young people are getting through their K-12 experience that prepares them for empathetic leadership. Uh, The sense of value that they should have for the rights of their fellow man and therefore the the respect for human nature. Um, so what we are doing is we're producing a number of leaders, but those who cannot look back and try to really help people get to their next level based on the respect and value that they have for them. So uh, I value Dr. King's teaching because that's what, that is exactly what was at the heart of it, this sense of value for the fellow man. And so uh, in becoming exposed to uh, Matt's work, uh, I thought, this certainly is a marriage made in heaven uh, that could help K-12 systems, particularly ninth and sixth grade, get the type of empathy necessary to help us further produce leaders coming out of our uh, uh, higher education institutions. You know, let me, you guys brought up a couple kind of cr- critical points right here, because we've been having a conversation more than ever, especially with the COVID-19 scenario about education and where education is going to go forward. Let me ask this question, kind of even pre-COVID-19, what do you think was the disconnect or where did we begin to lose maybe the character education uh, where you kind of talk about, A.G., the, the empathy, or where we kind of talk about, uh, uh, Matt, where you talk about the dynamic of, of understanding certain kind of areas? Of, of Dr. King, of nonviolence, of, of, of really kind of working out uh, uh, solutions in terms of dealing with these critical problems. Where did that disconnect come from in terms of education? How do we begin to lose that in terms of maybe the school system no longer beginning to teach those different areas? You know, Derek, I don't really know the answer to the question of when the problem started. It's somewhat surprising to me anyway, that We really have very few schools in the United States today that teach the substance of Dr. King's uh, principles to young people. They may have programs associated with the holiday, but the real uh, timeless wisdom that informed his life um, is not being shared with the next generation. Um, Do you know that in the decades since his martyrdom, numerous social science studies have confirmed uh, Dr. King's instinct to pursue social justice and social change through nonviolence. Uh, Most recently, um, a major study that's been featured heavily by Harvard. Um, These studies have confirmed that in a democracy, social change through violence uh, never occurs uh, in a way that brings about uh, justice for everyone. The only method to bring about enduring justice 
and enduring um, prosperity for all communities is through nonviolent social change. If we were giving young people driver's licenses and not teaching them how to drive, we'd have a lot of carnage on America's highways and roadways. And we're expecting them to become citizens of a democracy without teaching them that fundamental truth that Dr. King modeled for all of us. AJ, chime into that because you've been dealing with kind of also the higher education from uh, uh, what you mentioned about both kind of different areas. Kind of chime in on what your thoughts are. Yeah, you know, when I when I listen to the question, it, I think back to what we know from a higher education evaluative standpoint in, uh, in terms of of the, the, the change of curriculum uh, and curriculum outcomes from ninth through 12th grade, that's important to us because it informs what we can then expect to teach once they come into the higher education spectrum. And one of the changes that have been very significant over the last 20 years is the diminution of civic education. As schools have been increasingly forced to uh, streamline their curriculums to fit what educators in K-12 believe need to be the focus to match a 21st century uh, education, uh, civics uh, has received less and less attention uh, in, uh, on, that, uh, on that journey. And so as civics is where typically one picks up this sort of sense of commitment to large, the larger community, to service, and, and, and in fact, this value for one another. Uh, so when we look at the evolution of our K-12 process and what has been some of the major impacts uh, that uh, will ultimately result in the citizenry that we have for years to come, I think that this is a place that we could truly point back to, this civic responsibility uh, that, that is a major component of that change. You know, as we kind of think about this, and, and, and we're probably going to have you guys kind of chime in this on the next break right here, but I want to kind of think about the scenario in terms of how do we begin to change the conversation to where uh, like what you're saying, AJ, that we kind of removed this civic education out of our school system. We've, we've moved uh, character education out of our school system. I want to kind of talk about what are the solutions to bring it back, and then we'll kind of keep on going forward from other sectors, whether it be the private sector, as well as maybe the government sector and everything else. Because it sounds to me, and tell me if I'm correct, guys, um, that this kind of needs to be something that is really kind of a universal dynamic across the board as it relates to every sector that we're dealing with. Would you kind of, would you kind of say that's correct these days? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without question. So when we come back, I want to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to dive into those and kind of dive into some solutions about what we can begin thinking about, about how we implement these things in these various sectors. I'm talking to AJ Jones and AJ, hey, give me your title one more time. Cause I don't want to mess it up. You're from Howard university, but give me your title. You're, you're, you're there doing some you know, great things. Indeed. Uh, Associate Provost and Assistant Vice President of Enrollment Management here at Howard. And then I'm also talking to Professor Matt Daniels from the Institute of World Politics. Matt, give him your title real quick. Uh, Chair of Law and Human Rights. And then Matt also founded the Center of Human Rights and International Affairs. So he's been all around the world working on these other issues. And so when he kind of talks about him understanding certain kind of things from an international perspective, that's where that comes from because he's been working on human rights issues for quite some time in terms of kind of really kind of advancing uh, the good of all, what we kind of call the good of all people going forward. 
We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. George on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we're having an interesting conversations about what's going on right now in terms of the solutions to how to solve this discord that's going on right now as it relates to the political discord, as as it relates to the racial discord, as it relates to a number of different areas right now. I didn't want to focus in on all the bad. We get the bad every single day. We're at a point right now where we have to become solution drivers, and we're talking about solutions today in terms of education and in terms of really kind of bringing maybe some curriculum to, into the educational environment that may be a game changer in order to help us to solve some of these critical issues that we're dealing with today. I've got on the line with me, I've got Professor Matt Daniels from the Institute of World Politics. He's the chair of the Law and Human Rights and the founder of the Center of Human Rights and International Affairs at the Institute of World Politics. I've also got A.J. Jones. He's at Howard University. He's at how, a, 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 AJ. Give it. To, I mean, I got it right now. I mean, tell me if I'm right. Associate Provost and Assistant Vice President of Enrollment Management. He got that long title, so that means he's a powerful man at Howard. Did I get that right, AJ? You did. <laughs> All right, outstanding. Hey, we got these guys on the line, and they're talking about these critical issues. We're talking about it from a, a standpoint of education, about also what's going to happen in terms of the different sectors, and maybe how we can drive some solutions to probably provide some healing for our nation, which is really, really critical right now. Gentlemen, I want to talk about things from a couple of different perspectives. You guys mentioned about education and maybe kind of 9 through 12 in other areas. How do you get in a curriculum that focuses in on Dr. King, focuses in on kind of the dynamic of nonviolence and everything else? How do you get that implemented into a school, into the school systems around the United States or the major school systems around this country? What is going to be your process and what do you believe can be done? Well, um, uh, Derek, what AJ and I have been working on is a set of uh, curricula, one for high school, one for sixth grade, that teaches Dr. King's principles to a digital generation. So the vision of this was to um, teach Dr. King as the most successful example of a social change movement in American history, including, of course, his um, timeless teachings about nonviolence and social justice. We Uh, recruited Andrew Young to do a series of exclusive interviews with us. He's an endorser of our work. We then developed a curriculum that teaches students what Dr. King did, what what Andrew Young and others did, and then challenges them to think about how they can take those principles and apply them to our country and our world, especially using the tools of digital media, which were not available in Dr. King's day, and give individuals historically unprecedented power to raise awareness and be change agents. So think of it as a course that teaches Dr. King, but with a digital twist and with an emphasis on helping the next generation to find their own voice as champions of Dr. King's timeless principles. You know, AJ, kind of chime in from your standpoint, what do you think can be done in terms of getting this curriculum out there going forward? I mean, you see it from, you see it from your perspective in terms of bringing students into uh, colleges going forward. Do you think that the schools will be open to something like this? Absolutely. You know, I want to make the point clear that inside these school districts are thought leaders trying to make a difference in the areas that we're talking about right now. They recognize uh, that there are gaps. And I would also add that given what is happening environmentally uh, in our nation's streets, in our nation's neighborhoods, Uh, This adds motivation to their 
uh, desire to find uh, the right pathways for the young people that they serve. And so the conversations uh, have been met with great interest uh, because of the problem-solving, solution-natured uh, aspect of what it is that we are, are doing. So we've got a ready audience, uh, and uh, the only thing standing between us and completely saturating the U.S. Uh, with uh, this curriculum uh, is time and having the opportunity. And so that's why we're grateful for this, this chance to talk about this today. Yeah, Derek, you know what I would add? I would add to that, um, just so people know the specifics. Um, the curricula that we've developed that features these um, uh, exclusive interviews, interviews with Andrew Young were piloted first in Tennessee. We chose Tennessee because that's the state where Dr. King was martyred. And I thought it would be powerful to renew a teaching of Dr. King's principles in that state. They've done very well in Tennessee. They're actually best taught online. So they've done very well during COVID. And now we're going into pilots in other states, such as uh, Arkansas, where we will be in the famous Little Rock Central High School, mm -hmm. the epicenter of the national struggle over school desegregation in the 1950s, um, and other states as well. Uh, and the goal of this is very simple. Uh, we would like to see thousands of Dr. Kings, uh, black, brown, white, and yellow, beginning to inject into our national bloodstream these ideas that are the best hope for this country to have. Um, a, a future for everyone of justice and prosperity and tolerance. You know, when it, you, you guys brought up a couple of different things. Uh, you kind of brought up about the dynamic of social media, which has been very, very powerful right now. Uh, we know uh, whether it be the Facebook scenarios or whether it be the Instagram scenarios uh, or, or YouTube or whatever the case is, that our young people are getting information and in a lot of different sources right now. Um, tell me from you guys' standpoint, what has been the impact, whether it be positive or negative, uh, with social media amongst our young people right now? Uh, has it been a tool for good or has it been a tool for bad? And do we need to address it in some kind of way when you're talking about putting this curriculum out right there? There's a heavy amount of misinformation out there sometimes, but can it be yielded in the right way in order to get our young people on the right page going forward? Well, Derek, you know, every technology can be used for good or evil if you think about it. Uh, a pharmaceutical product can um, save your life or it can make you a drug addict. Mm -hmm. uh, nuclear power can power an entire city or it can destroy an entire city. And the same thing's true of the unbelievable power of the Internet. Um, and it's up to us, especially educators, to teach young people how to use it for good. Now, I will tell you, unfortunately, there's not enough of that happening in our world. Uh, part of the reason is Many educators are older. They came of age before the internet. And they're not really connected to the world of digital media that um, young people are living and eating and breathing and sleeping. Um, there's a bit of a, a generation gap a, a, at work. Uh, and so one of the things that our course does is help to address that gap. Uh, we empower teachers to speak to young people about how they can use the media that um, they're using every single day to uh, spread ideas that are going to lift up society rather than tear it down. Um, one of the teachers who helped to develop the curricula is an African-American uh, middle school principal in Nashville. And he told me the other day that uh, in one of his classes where they're using our curricula, he challenged young people to watch the I Have a Dream speech. And then he wanted them to recreate it on TikTok and share it with their friends. That's the kind of uh, creative thinking that we need to unleash because the power of this media can be used for good or evil, and we have to use it to shine a light. Hey, Jay, chime in on that for me, please. 
know, one of the things that is needed and often uh, demanded from uh, the uh, workforce industry is the need for clear, comprehensive 21st century skill development. Uh, if us in the United States continue to be competitive on the world stage, our ability to train a workforce that is competent and ahead of the curve uh, with these 21st century skills uh, is critical. And in fact, it is the linchpin to innovation and innovation is obviously the linchpin uh, to ultimately to uh, productivity and growth. And so the ability for our young people to have a depth in the use of digital technology is key because that plays uh, directly into the need to enhance 21st century skill. What we appreciate about what the curriculum does is, is as Matt pointed out, it does not try to separate itself from this need, but it bakes it right in so that those skill development that, that's needed uh, can be addressed along the way in that young person's experience uh, within, the, within the curriculum. Let me just end this part by, by giving you an antithesis of what I'm speaking about, and that is the form of ISIS. You know, ISIS is the worst example of 21st century skill development. These people uh, have used digital technology to the worst ends to promote uh, their divisive sense of terror and just this, this odd sense of what humanness is to be uh, perceived. What that shows is, is a lack of this sense of empathy that Matt and I are promoting in this MLK curriculum. These individuals have a sense of how to use 21st century digital skills, but what they lack is human value. And so what happens is, is they are showing videos on digital media of beheadings and other lewd acts. Uh, so, so we want to reverse that. We, we want our young people to use this powerful medium to show unity and coming together and not this sense of divisiveness uh, that is contributing to not just community downfall, but, but national and global downfall. Without question. Yeah, take a quick break, guys. When we come back, we'll be talking about this a little bit more. I'm talking to Anthony E. Jones or A.J. Jones. He's an associate provost and assistant vice president of enrollment management at Howard University. I'm also talking to Professor Matt Daniels from the Institute of World Politics. He's the chair of law and human rights and also the founder of the Center of Human Rights and International Affairs. And he's teaching this kind of stuff at the Institute of World Politics. These both great gentlemen are talking about bringing an MLK curriculum into the school systems in order to begin teaching the principles of nonviolence, but also begin teaching the principles of also a civic-minded person who can work on solutions and probably provide some healing to our nation, which we need right now. We're talking about this as we're going forward. We're going to keep on pressing this conversation because it's not just the school system we got to deal with. We have to deal with the other sectors, right? We got to deal with the private sector, the government sector. And so I want to talk to these gentlemen about how do we begin getting this curriculum or these ideas into these other sectors because it's also needed there. This is Fed Access with Derek T. George on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George from Federal News Network. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about a number of interesting things. 
We're talking about some solutions right now. We know the issues right now. We see the issues every single day. We see the political discord. We see the violence that's going on. We see the division that's going on in our country right now. We see the racial issues that are going on right now. So we know that there's some problems out there, but we also need some solutions right now. And we're talking about some solutions today about implementing an MLK curriculum within the school systems to begin teaching those principles that MLK was so much known for, and not just MLK, but but people like John Lewis, who we just lost recently, and other Andrew Young and other leaders who have been out there on the cause in terms of kind of fighting for civil rights and fighting for social justice, but doing it in a certain kind of way. And so I've got with me two uh, scholars of this kind of stuff right here, Professor Matt Daniels from the Institute of World Politics, who's the chair of law and human rights and the founder of the Center of Human Rights and International Affairs at the Institute of World Politics, He's teaching this stuff on a day-to-day basis. And I've got A.J. Jones from Howard University, a historically black college and university. He's the associate provost there and also the assistant vice president of enrollment management. And so he's dealing with it from the HBCU standpoint as well. Gentlemen, how do we begin looking at this? And, I, and, 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 and Matt, I wanted you to kind of tie in the Andrew Young piece. I just kind of mentioned him on purpose, but I want you to kind of tie in. How do we begin kind of moving this forward in terms of what Andrew Young and other people were talking about in terms of dealing with the violence that we're seeing right now. Yeah, let me tell you why we're focused on teaching uh, Dr. King's principles as the best pathway to achieving social justice in our nation. There is a lie that many people in our country today have come to believe. And the lie is that violence is necessary for the achievement of social justice and that social justice advances through the use of violence. And the opposite is true. Decades of social science research have proven that Dr. King was correct. Violence undermines social justice. Violence defeats social justice. Violence denies social justice. You cannot overcome violence and oppression with the use of violence. MLK, Dr. King, Andrew Young, John Lewis, and others modeled this for us uh, successfully in the most a successful modern social change movement in American history. And that's what we teach in this course. And I would love it if you could share a quick soundbite from the course with your audience so they get a sense of the tone and substance of what we're teaching. And we'll try to put that up in, in, in there as well, Matt, and then kind of put it along on the website so people will see this Andrew Young bite that you have on there. I'll try to make sure that people get it up uh, Great. for them to see it. Um, you know, let me kind of tie into a couple different areas right here. Because, you know, when I, when I think about certain kind of things, I also think about the private sector. How do we, and, 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 and AJ, you mentioned kind of this kind of scenario about the critical skill development type pieces going forward. But also, too, with the skill development, you kind of mentioned the ISIS piece in terms of the wrong use of skills, right? How do we begin to get to a point where also our private sector also buys into this curriculum of the MLK curriculum of nonviolence, people within the private sector having those same human values in the work they do and how they treat people. What do we do in those areas right there? Well, what drives change in this area uh, within the private sector is how effective can any organization be to reaching its bottom line, uh, bottom line objectives. Um, and people, people often are driving what those bottom uh, line objectives uh, are and how well uh, an organization reaches them. And so inside of people, inside of people uh, are the ideas that drive innovations. They, people drive the touch points with customer base and 
and also this these collaborations amongst employees uh, and, and members of that organization uh, is what ultimately makes it dynamic. And so the, the ability of them to tap in to the people uh, that they are, are are blessed to have. Well, uh, to do that well, you have got to be able to first have a sense of value for that individual. You've got to provide atmosphere and a community and an affinity that allows that person to bring their entire self into that organization, their entire self into that workforce. And here it is, Derek, and, and to allow that person to begin the work, not out of the indiscretionary time that they have, but the discretionary time that they have to be able to contribute even when they don't have to. That's what you want to ultimately get to. Well, when you, when you take the principles that come out of the curriculum and you scale them up to meet a corporate demand, when they realize that they are as much a part of this liberation ideas than anyone else, that's powerful. And, and, and so Matt and I are in fact working on uh, a, a, a curriculum uh, that could in fact be offered uh, to corporations and the like uh, to really drive this kind of work. So bottom line is it can either be altruistic why companies and organizations do it and or it could be to drive the bottom line results. Without question. You know, I got to take a quick break right quick. And when we come back, I want to kind of talk about not just the private sector, but I want to kind of go into government because this is really, really critical about the dynamics in terms of our public servants uh, really being on the, on, on the front line and, and, and dealing with these different kind of issues right here. So I want to begin talking about how do we implement this within government service, within whether it be federal or whether it be state, whether it be local or county or whatever the case is, or, or even international kind of going forward. We're talking to uh, Matt Daniels. He's a professor at the Institute of World Politics. He's a chair of the Law and Human Rights, uh, uh, and also the founder of the Center for Human Rights and International Affairs. He's been working on human rights for many, many years, and he's one of the people who has started this curriculum in terms of the MLK curriculum that's being implemented in the school systems. We're talking about this being implemented around the nation as a platform going forward. We're also talking to A.J. Jones. He's associate provost, an assistant vice president of enrollment management at Howard University. And we're talking about the higher education dynamics. We're talking about the HBCUs. We're talking about implementing this all over the place in terms of this MLK, MLK curriculum being a game changer in terms of a healing dynamic in our society today. We'll be right back after this break. This is the Fed Access with Derek T. George from Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George on the Federal News Network. Thank you for joining us. If you're just joining us, we've been having an interesting conversation about solutions, about how do we bring some peace to this time of discord? How do we bring some peace to the time of violence? How do we bring some peace and some healing and some solutions to the time of racial issues and everything else that we've been dealing with for so long? There's a point in time as we've been dealing with COVID-19 that I think we're all kind of thinking about right now that we got to get to a point that we are really bringing some real solutions to the table. And we're talking about that today. We've got two gentlemen who are working on this right now. They want to bring some uh, Martin Luther King uh, uh, Jr. Uh, curriculum in terms of Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. and bring his curriculum and his philosophy of nonviolence into the school systems and also into other sectors, our private sector and government sectors, and begin teaching the dynamic of human value, the teaching the dynamics of nonviolence, 
teaching the dynamics of not being aggressive or treating people uh, uh, with a lack of respect and teaching all these kind of principles that will begin to bring some healing and some peace and some effectiveness into our various sectors, whether it be education, our private sectors, or our government sectors. I've got A.J. Jones. He's the Associate Provost uh, and Assistant Vice President of Enrollment Management at Howard University. I've got Professor Matt Daniels, who's the Chair of Law and Human Rights at the Institute of World Politics. He's also the founder of the Center of Human Rights and International Affairs. And so, gentlemen, when we're talking about this kind of stuff, and we talked about this in the last segment, but kind of chime in on this as well, because we see a lot of situations in terms of the workforce, the private sector and otherwise, where there's kind of a discord in terms of the way people are treating people. Tie in how this curriculum can maybe impact how we begin to change the way people are treating each other in the workplace. Well, you know, just like what civil rights workers faced in the 1960s, Derek, of the violence uh, that they uh, experienced as they were trying to uh, take hold of the liberties that the Constitution promised and the sense of nonviolent retort. Uh, you also today in the workforce have uh, not violence in the sense of, uh, you know, beatings and, 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 and so forth, but, but hostilities uh, that, that are occurring. And so the evolution of the nonviolent principles into the workforce is non-hostility. Uh, so, so from nonviolence to non-hostility. And when you think about that, what you're really talking about is in the 1960s and 40s and 50s and 40s and so forth, what they were facing were these, this idea of macro inequities, right? So, you know, colored uh, restrooms, white restroom, colored water fountain, white water fountain, these macro in-your-face uh, inequities. Whereas today it's evolved into micro inequities, the things that happen sort of under the waterline. I, I attribute it, it's like when you have a, a brake pad that, that touches uh, the rotor and, uh, and a piece of sand gets locked, lodged in between those two. Over time, it could warp uh, that metal. Uh, that little bitty grain of sand could do that. That's what a micro inequity can do. It can be very invisible, uh, in many ways uh, implicit, uh, and, but it can have an ultimate effect. And so what the MLK curriculum does is it begins to help corporations and those in the workforce to really try to uncover that uh, th those things that are hostile happening in their environments to create that non-hostile environment as it would a non-violent environment uh, from the civil rights movement. Without question. Hey, Matt, tie into where we think about this as it relates to getting this into the government and, and where this should go in terms of whether it be, again, federal, state, local, county, or whatever type of government it is. How do we begin bringing this curriculum to where they also embrace it and what they do? Well, um, Derek, AJ and I have been working to develop a version of our MLK curricula for the corporate sector and also for government agencies. And what we're trying to do is address the challenges that these corporations and government agencies are now facing. I mean, here's a short list. Uh, many of them are they're lost in a sea of social change without any solid framework for how to respond. They're operating reactively to uh, developments in the media and in um, uh, social media. They're um, often engaged in actions that are really just tokenism, not policy that's rooted in a solid uh, philosophical framework. And they're really lacking a framework for long-term decision-making that can incorporate uh, timeless principles of social justice into policy. So we're trying to do in the corporate sector exactly what we're seeking to do in the realm of secondary education, which is inject the best known example 
of social justice thinking in our history, uh, and that is the teachings and the work of Dr. King. You know, when we think about this, I mean, it, it, it seems as if it's, um, let me just kind of say it this way. It seems as if, you know, this is a very, and you know, Dr. King talked about the mountaintop, right? About kind of getting to the mountaintop and everything else. It seems like this is going to be a heavy mountaintop to climb. Let me ask you guys this question. Uh, and AJ, you kind of said that, hey, listen, the people in, in, the, in, the, in the school system are looking for solutions. Do you think that the people in the private sector and the government sector are also going to be the same in terms of looking for the same solutions? Are they going to be open to what you guys bring? Or what have you found so far? Are they open to what you guys are talking about bringing this curriculum to the table to begin teaching their people about these principles? Yeah, you know, the human, what this addresses, Derek, are human dynamics. And those human dynamics uh, play out regardless of industry, uh, regardless of sector. And so, uh, yes, it is very true that within the government sector, you do have these uh, the, these these micro inequities, these hostilities, if you will, uh, that are at play, uh, and you have individuals that are trying their best to figure out how not to allow this to be a deterrent or an obstacle to overall productivity. You know, it's critical within government that talent be able to move laterally and vertically to uh, accomplish what is the ultimate ends of a division or a unit uh, or whatever that agency is trying to accomplish. And so uh, I would say that uh, this uh, is a solution uh, to help in that critical area. And uh, I believe I speak for my colleague, Matt, when I say that we we are are excited uh, to be talking to government uh, agencies about this on every level, from the local to the state to, uh, to, to to the national level. Hey, Matt, chime in on that right quick. And then also chime in on this point right here. Um, and, 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 and this kind of maybe is a swing back to both of you guys. You know, um, it seems as if education is probably forever changed, right? I mean, you know, you, you guys mentioned about the online dynamic of an online curriculum and everything else. Um, is this going to be the wave of the future? And have you found it to also be effective in terms of teaching people, whether it be secondary or whether it be, you know, the different sectors, is the online education platform, um, is it, is it, has it been effective in terms of getting uh, uh, this information out to people in a way in which they embrace it, they begin to live it, they begin to adhere, adhere by it in all their different kind of, kind of lifestyle, whether it be education, whether it be private sector or government? Yeah, well, uh, Derek, our materials are actually best taught online because the DNA of our educational movement is digital. So if you want to really get the full depth and breadth of the material that we're offering, it's best taught in an online context because there's um, video content, including the interviews with Andrew Young and others. There's um, hyperlinks to original source documents, uh, historical references. Um, and um, we've had an overwhelmingly positive response um, in school districts and also from corporate and government leaders um, they are aware that um, there needs to be an answer to some of the challenges that we face that um, flies above um, the level of discord and disharmony that we're seeing so much now in the media. And uh, that's what the timeless principles of Dr. King will allow us to do as a nation and as individuals is rise above 
the rancor and discord. Uh, there is a place to go. We should be grateful as a country that we have the legacy of Dr. King and Andrew Young and, and others to draw upon at a time like this. Um, but we have to get going in terms of disseminating those principles through various educational channels, because otherwise um, it's going to get a lot darker. Right, without question. Hey, Matt, tell us where people can either get in touch with you or find information about uh, what you and AJ are doing right now. Give us a, either a platform or, or give them information about how to either contact you or find more information about this, because this is something that needs to be put out there immediately. Yeah, the quickest way to reach me is just to go through our nonprofit website, goodofall.org. That's G-O-O-D-O-F-A-L-L.org. Goodofall.org. We'll make sure we put that on the website as well. If people can contact uh, Professor Daniels and see what he's doing. Gentlemen, I know we're coming up to that time period right now of, of what's going on. I'll give you guys w- w- about 30 seconds to give one last comment each in terms of, of, w- of what you guys want to see for the future. I think we should have every hope that the next generation of young people can lift this country out of the um, situation that we're currently in if they're given the right ideas. I'm very hopeful for the next generation, and I think they have everything it takes to lead this nation down a better path, and we just have to give them the tools so that they can follow their natural instincts and calling in the realm of social justice. AJ? Change of this nature has never been possible without courage and intentionality. And I would say to those out there listening who find something in what we've said that you can support, your next step is to stand in the place of courage and intentionality to move forward. Uh, You may not have uh, full support Uh, But what you would have is a sense of self uh, that you've made a difference. And that's what Matt and I are excited about. Uh, And that, I believe, is where Dr. King stood, uh, that he, in fact, made a difference because he had the courage and the intentionality to do so. We've been talking to A.J. Jones, the Associate Provost and Assistant Vice President of Enrollment Management at Howard University, one of our great historically Black colleges and universities. We've also been talking to Professor Matt Daniels from the Institute of World Politics, which is a graduate school of national security and international affairs that is focusing on these issues right now. He's the chair of law and human rights and also the founder of the Center for Human Rights and International Affairs. He's also the founder of Good of All, which you can find at goodofall.org. Thank you, guys. You've given me some hope. Uh, I know this has been a very, very tough time for all of us. We needed some hope out there. And I think you guys have really kind of provided some today. I hope that people will begin to embrace what you guys are doing. Thank you guys for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 1 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 